0: I'd like for you to take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 John. We are studying the book of 1 John, and we're coming to the third chapter. And last Sunday, we talked about what manner of love that the Father has bestowed upon us. And we began to realize and began to be reminded of how God loves us beyond our understanding. There was an uh, evangelist was preaching. And he was preaching at this conference called the Victorious Life. And so he was being interviewed by uh, a radio. And the announcer said, so I understand that you're talking about the Victorious Life. He said, no, that's not what I'm talking about. He says, so in other words, what you're talking about is the deeper life of a Christian. He says, no, that's not exactly what I'm talking about. He says, well, wh- exactly what are you talking about? He said, I'm talking about the Christian life. What the Christian life is all about. And that's exactly what I want to share with you today. First 1 John chapter 3, would you stand with me as we begin reading verses 4 and following? 1 John chapter 3, and we're going to begin reading in verse 4. These passages of scriptures have been misunderstood down through the ages, and hoping that I might be able to clear up a few understandings about this passage of scripture here today. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 4. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning, For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Father... We are so grateful to know that in the Christian life that Jesus manifests Himself to us, that we might be able to live that Christian life victorious over sin and over Satan. Lord, no doubt that there's people that under the sound of my voice here today are struggling and are finding themselves defeated by sin. And by Satan. We pray dear Father that through your word. That you will give us divine instructions. Of how we can be overcomers. And how we can experience that victorious Christian life. So may the anointing and the filling of your Holy Spirit. Be upon us here today. And may Christ be glorified and praised. And so, for we ask this under no other name, but the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. General Douglas MacArthur was asked, What is one of the most important things that a soldier must learn? And he says that the most important thing that a soldier must learn is that there is absolutely no substitute for victory. And my friend, that's so exactly so true. That we need to quickly learn, as we grow as believers, that when we invite Christ to come into our life, that He has not only given us the assurance that when we die, that we go to heaven. But that we can experience a little bit of heaven here on earth. And it's so important that you understand, as a Christian, that you can experience a victorious Christian life. Sad to say, there are many uh, Christians that are on that old gospel ship. And they are waving the flag, the white flag of defeat, when they should be waving the red flag of victory. And my friend, I want to assure you today, the Bible assures us that we can experience that victorious Christian life. Let me ask you a question. How are you doing with sin? Do you find yourself constantly battling with sin? Do you find yourself constantly being defeated by sin? Are you constantly feeling roughshod by the devil? That he's always constantly on your case and he's constantly defeating you and destroying what God wants you to experience. I believe that if we'd be honest, that the vast majority of us here today would say, yes, pastor, you're right on target. You're speaking to my heart because that's exactly the way I feel. Well, the Bible never tells us that we're to defeat Satan. never does. What the Bible says, that we're to resist the devil and he will flee from. And then the Bible also says that we're to be dead to sin. In other words, as Christ comes into my life and He is upon the throne of my life, I am upon the cross of my life and I am dying to self. And that it is Christ that is living the victory and the victorious life in me. And it's not me, but it's the Christ that lives and dwells Within me. The Bible says we're to be dead to sin. Now, someone has put it this way, that there's three different tenses of our salvation. First of all, we have been saved from the penalty of sin. That happened at the cross. That there at the cross... Christ saved me from the penalty of sin. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only we have been saved from the penalty of sin, but my friend, we are being saved every day by the power, from the power of sin. And friend, that's something that where many of us are tripling tripping, and we finding ourselves falling. And then, of course, we will be saved from the presence of sin one of these days, praise God. That one of these days, never, ever, ever again, we'll be confronted with Satan or be confronted with sin, but that we will be absent from that presence. No Christian should be satisfied. No Christian should be satisfied less than the victorious Christian life that he can experience and must experience from day by day by day by day. And therefore, my friend, we sometimes look at ourselves as thinking, Pastor, are you serious? You're telling me I can be victorious over sin and over Satan? That's exactly what I'm saying. And that's exactly what John is describing to us here today. Now, I want you to turn with me into the Scriptures, and I want to share with you several truths that I believe that John is wanting us to hearken and to understand. First of all, you'll notice there in verses 4 and 5. And I have... Titled that verse of scripture as the rebellion that proves our sinfulness. I don't think that we have to have a lot of proof, but we, the Bible reminds us of our sinfulness. Listen to what he says there in verse four. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. He is describing to us, He is defining to us what sin is. It is none other than lawlessness. God has given us a law and man has found himself breaking that law. But then notice what the Bible says in verse 5. And you know that He was manifested to take away our sins and in Him... There is no sin. From the moment that Jesus was born, it was recognized and understood and declared and prophesied that He came to take away our sins. I'm reminded of that day, that as Jesus Christ came to the Sea of Galilee, John the Baptist was there, and as he was baptizing believers... He looked up and he saw the Lord Jesus Christ. And what did he say? Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. My friend, that's exactly what Christ did when he came into this world. He came to take away the sins of this world. Go back to verse 4. And let's look at the definition of sin just for a few moments. The Bible declares that sin is lawlessness. Lawlessness. Have you ever thought about the most powerful three-letter word that's in our vocabulary is sin? You cannot spell sin without I being in the very center of it. Sin. Just the, just the mentioning of the word, it almost sounds like a serpent. Sin. You can almost hear the hiss. Most powerful three-lettered word. That's the reasons why Jesus came into this world. That's the reason why our jails are full and our churches are half empty is because of sin. That's the reason that there was such a thing as the cross of Calvary. Because of sin. You'll never hear the world talk about sin. You'll never hear a news bulletin come on the on the uh TVs and say, "Special attention. There's a news bulletin that is out today and The Senate and the Congress have discovered the problems of the world and it it is sin. You'll never hear that. But my friend, the Bible is very clear that that is our problem. The Bible is very clear that sin is what's wrecked people's lives and have destroyed them and it has literally brought havoc into the world. There's none of us that is without sin, the Bible tells us. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm reminded of what the Bible says in Romans chapter 14, verse 23. For whatever it is not from faith is sin. And then I'm reminded of what What James says in James chapter 4, verse 17. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him, it is what? Sin. It is sin. And then, of course, 1 John chapter 5, verse 17. All unrighteousness is sin. So over and over and over again, the Bible begins to declare to us what sin really is. It's amazing what God calls sin and what the Bible calls sin. Man calls sin an accident. God calls it an abomination. Man calls sin a blunder. God calls sin a blindness. Man calls sin a deficit, and God calls sin a disease. Man calls sin a chance. God calls sin a choice. Man calls sin an infirmity. God calls sin iniquity. Man calls sin luxury. God calls sin leprosy. Man calls sin trifle. God calls sin tragedy. Man calls sin weakness. God calls sin wickedness. So it's amazing of how, what we call sin and what God calls sin. Sin, my friend, is a rebellion to Almighty God. It is that rebellious spirit and rebellious heart. Someone said sin is a clenched fist in the face of Almighty God. Heard about a little boy one time was misbehaving. And the mother uh was going to uh, chastise him. And so what she did, she put him in the... Uh, Closet. And she says, I want you to sit here and I want you to think about how you have been rebellious toward me and your daddy this morning. So after a little while, she goes back into the closet and there he's sitting. And she says, what are you doing? He says, well mama, he said, I've spit on your coat. I've spit on your shoes. And I've spit on your handbag. And I'm just waiting for some more spit. Doesn't that sound just like us sometimes? The rebellion that is in the heart of mankind. With a rebellious spirit, we see it in children, we see it in individuals, and we see it even in our own lives. But I want you to go a step further. I don't want you to not only see the definition of sin, but I want you to notice with me just for a few moments. Look with me in verse 5, our deliverance from sin. Now I want you to notice something very interesting as you look at verse 5. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. That word take away is an interesting uh, two words. Here's a picture. I'm sure that every one of you are like me, that once a week uh, I take my garbage out and I put it in the garbage bin. And there the garbage bin goes out to the curb of the uh, of my home and here comes the garbage truck. And He takes my garbage for the week. And He takes it away. My friend, that's exactly a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. That not just once a week, but every time we will confess our sins, that He will take that garbage, that rebellion, that sinfulness, and He takes it to the garbage dump. And not only does he take it to the garbage dump, but he even removes the garbage dump. That that garbage can never, ever, ever be retrieved ever again. I'm reminded of what the Scripture says in Psalms 103, verse 12. Listen to these verses of Scripture. You know them. The Bible says, As far as the east from the west, so far as he has removed our transgressions, From us. How far is that? Unimmeasurable. It's not like from north to south, a specific pole. But from east to west, on and on and on and on, He has removed our sins. Do you understand what I'm talking about? That our rebellion, our sinfulness, our wretchedness has been removed by Almighty God, that should make every one of us stand up and jump up and holler to know that God loves me so much that He is willing to take my sins away and never, ever, ever bring them before me again. But look with me with also, if you will, Look with me in verse 7 and 8. Not only the definition of sin he declares unto us, not only the deliverance from sin, but he talks about our defeat of Satan. Would you like to know how to defeat Satan? Would you like to know how to have victory over that evil one who has brought chaos and havoc To every one of us who tries and walks, brings damnation to that sinner's heart? Well, listen to what the Bible says in verse 7 and 8. Little children. He's getting your attention. He's saying, come up close. Come up close. Let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. Then look with me in verse 8. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. Now underline that. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. Why? That He might destroy. Look at there. The works of the devil. That word works literally means to put out a commission. Now the devil don't want you to know this. I'm letting you in on a secret here. And if you're not careful, the devil's going to get your mind to stray away from, from this passage of scripture because he don't want you to know this. But the, but the truth is he's a defeated foe. When Christ rose from the grave, my friend, he came forth with the keys of victory over Satan himself. You understand what I'm saying? That he destroyed the works of the devil. A defeated foe. So, in other words, my friend, you don't fight for victory. You fight from victory. Victory has already been established. And Christ has given you that victory when he came into your heart. The one that destroyed the works of Satan is now living and dwelling within you. We're not talking about someone that is just up in heaven. But we're talking about someone that is dwelling within your heart today. He came in your heart with the keys of victory over sin and over Satan himself. There was a General Wainwright was in the Pacific during World War II and he was captured along with many of his other men and they were in the Japanese prison for a number of months. And every day the Japanese prison, I mean the Japanese army would come out to the prisoners and they would abuse them and beat them and really would hurt them almost beyond measure. Then the news came that Japan had surrendered and that America had, was victorious. And the news had come and had fallen upon that concentration camp. But like normal, those Japanese soldiers came out one day and began to try to Beat and abuse those American soldiers. And about that time, General Wainwright stood up and he said, Stop! Whatever you're doing, I am in control now. You are my captives because I am on the winning side and you are now on the losing side. My friend, that's exactly what God is saying to you and me today. He is saying that, that as Satan tries to come and tries to conquer and defeat you, you must say, stop! I'm not your captive, my friend. I have the captain of my salvation in my heart today. And because that he is the captain of my salvation, you become the captive of our salvation. So we need to stop running, we need to stop whining, we need to stop fleeing. My friend, the Bible says we need to take control of the victory that God has given to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. He has destroyed the works of Satan. But let's go a step further. I want you to not only notice in verse 4 and 5 the rebellion that proves our sinfulness. But look with me in verses 5 and 6. That the righteousness that proves our sonship. Listen to what the Bible says. We've touched on it, but look with me especially in verse 6. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. You said, now wait a minute, Pastor. Let's back up the bus. What in the world is John talking about? John is talking as if that once you get saved, you never sin again. John is talking about that if you sin, you never have been saved. What happens a lot of times when some people come to this passage of Scripture, that if they don't understand what this Scripture means, that they'll get confused and they'll go one of two ways. They'll Number one, they will say, well, that must mean that I've never been saved in the first place. Or number two, that says that it means perfection. Sinless perfection. That I can live a life of sinless perfection. That I can live where there is no sin. Well, my friend, that's not what he's talking about. Verse 6, in the Greek, it is in present tense. And it literally means continuous action. It literally means that if you habitually sin that you continue to sin over and over and over and over again, and there is no conviction of sin, and there's no repentance of sin, that you are a non-believer. So he's talking about habitual sin. John has said if you abide in Jesus, you will occasionally sin, but habitually you'll do what's right. But if you're lost, you may occasionally do something what's right, but habitually you will sin. That's what he's talking about here in this passage of Scripture. A professing Christian who habitually sins denies two things. He denies the cross of Christ and he denies the character of Christ. That when Christ came into my heart, He who knew no sin, He comes into my life and He brought that nature that lives and dwells within me today. So that tells me the closer I get to the Lord Jesus Christ, the less that I want to sin. Because He who knew no sin, He became sin, but now He dwells without sin. And so the Bible reminds us that you will want to know how close you are to the Lord Jesus Christ today, how you are with sin. A Geiger counter is a, uh, discovers radioactive rocks. And the closer it gets, the faster it clicks. When I am with the Lord Jesus Christ and He dwells within me and the closer I get to Him, one that is sinless, that that nature begins to overcome my heart and my life in such a fashion that when sin comes near, it's like a Geiger counter. It begins to click. And what it does, it draws me closer to Him because He detests sin. He hates sin. And so if I want to know if I'm living in the fellowship with Him, it is a good question is, how do I look at sin today? And how does sin dwell in my life? How sensitive are you to sin? How separate are you to sin? John chapter 15 verse 5 reminds us of a very passage of Scripture. It reminds us that I am the vine which is righteous. And you are the branches which are to become righteous. And he who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. What kind of fruit are you going to provide You go, or that you're going to bear? You're going to bear righteous fruit. So as a child of God, living in accordance to the fellowship and the will of God, and the closer he is to the Lord Jesus Christ, the more he's going to express the righteous fruit. In his life. The Bible says, by their fruit you shall know them. I'm always skeptical about these people that tells me they're they're Christians. And yet I don't see the consistency of the Lord Jesus Christ in their life. I'm almost skeptical when I hear people say, I am a believer, pastor. But they never attend church. They never read their Bible. They never pray. My friend, there will be some righteous acts that will be manifested in the life of a believer when he is abiding with the vine. And there will be those righteous acts that will give testimony of your life that you are abiding with the Lord Jesus Christ you'll be bearing righteous fruit. But thirdly, not only have we talked about the righteousness that, that proves our sonship, and also the rebellion that proves our sinfulness, but look with me in verse 9. The redemption that provides our salvation. The Bible says in verse 9, Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. There's two things happens when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. The very first thing that happens in your life is that you have a new life. The Bible talks about that you become a new creature and old things pass away and all things become new. So the Bible reminds us that you have a new, that you are a new creature. Second Peter chapter one verse four says that we may be partakers of his divine nature. Now, let's stop just for a moment. And let's begin to evaluate what happens when a person accepts the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us we have a nature. And it's called the old sinful nature. A lost man has one nature. And that he does what comes natural. And that's the picture of that nature that he has and he dwells with. But then the Bible tells us that when you become a new believer, that you begin to receive a new nature. You have a nature. You are partakers of the nature of God that's in your life today. A man is saved and he has a new nature. And now he begins to do things that is what is known as supernatural. Supernatural. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 says for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure it is God that who is working in your life it is the holy spirit that is living and dwelling within our lives now you stop and think about it the bible says in verse 6 that we are in jesus Then the Bible says in verse 9, Christ is in us. There is a superior power and a superior position that is in your life today. The superior power is the Holy Spirit of God who lives within you. That's why the Bible tells us greater is He that is within you than he that is in the world. But you come from a superior position. You're coming from the standpoint of Christ Himself. Think about that. That as I am dwelling and Christ is living in my heart, I am dwelling in Christ. And if Christ had the power and the ability to overcome the forces of evil... Look at the position that I'm coming from. My friend, I want you to understand, there's no reason in this world that a child of God to live in defeat. When he realizes the superior power that he possesses and the superior position that he comes from, that you become an overcomer. In all your ways. So I have a new life. But not only do I have a new life, I have a new love. See, there was a time that I loved the things of the world. There was a time that the world attracted me. There was a time that I found myself as a lover of that world and I found myself constantly involved with the world. But now, I am in love with a new person. I'm in love with the Father in heaven today. The Bible says, He who first loved me. That when I begin to comprehend how much He loves me and how much He has provides, provides for me, the least thing that I want to do is to break His heart. See, a lost man, He breaks God's laws. A saved man, when He sins, He breaks God's heart. So my desire is to love Him with all my heart, with all my mind, and with all my soul. And as I love Him, I become very sensitive to the things that He is against. And that's when I began to find myself leaning upon Him today for my power, for my position, so that I might experience the victorious Christian life. Where are you today? Do you find yourself constantly running and falling upon your knees and constantly confessing and confessing the same sin over and over and over and over and over again. That's exactly what Satan wants you to do. He wants you to live a defeated life. But my friend, Jesus has provided a way. He has manifested Himself in such a manner that you don't have to live that way you can live that victorious life. Overcoming the evil one. Overcoming sin. Overcoming the things that try to destroy you. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads with me. I wonder today, would you be honest with me? And with the Lord, because of the course the Lord knows. Would you be willing to just lift up a hand and say, Pastor, you know, I find myself constantly slipping. I'm constantly falling back into my old way. I want to I want you to pray for me, Pastor. I wonder if you would lift your hand. Would you be willing to do that? Thank you, I see that. I see that. Others, yes, I see that. Others, thank you, I see that. I'm constantly battling. And I want that victory that you're talking about, Pastor. I want it to be more than... Just a sermon. I want it to be a reality in my life. I wonder if they might be just another one that would raise their hand. I see that hand. Thank you. Well, I'm going to do exactly what I said I'm going to do. And I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit of God would help you to understand that you are living beneath your privileges. God wants you to experience that victorious life on a day-by-day-by-day basis. Father, you have spoken clearly and plainly. And you have manifested yourself to us through your Scripture of reminding us that our hope is not within our own self, within our own means, because, Lord, we're feeble and we're weak. But oh, we're so grateful that to know that when we invited Jesus Christ into our heart, that He not only gave us our salvation, but He gave us that abundant life. That victorious Christian life. And Lord, teach us how to fight not for victory, but from the victory that has already been established. Lord, I pray for these individuals. I ask You in the name of Jesus that the power of the Holy Spirit would work in their life, that they would find that victory today. And that this day forward, they would experience it for the glory of God. Thank You for hearing our prayer. And thank you for reminding us that you have destroyed the works of Satan. There might be someone here today. You're saying, Pastor, I'm a habitual sinner. Does that mean I'm lost? Well, that might be the very thing that God is trying to tell you today, that you need to come to know Christ as your Savior and to be saved. For you cannot experience a victorious life unless you know for sure that Christ has come into your life and He has saved you. See, He's got to dwell in you. He's got to live in you before He can work through you. So today... Why not you give your life to Him today? And began this wonderful journey of being victorious over Satan and sin and experience the victory that Christ has given you. Father, thank You now for speaking and working and doing. In Jesus' name.